stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo to talk about a topic that has suddenly taken on importance. When should buy and hold investors sell? Now, I know what you're thinking. I've done other podcasts on when to sell, and one was just not that long ago, um, a couple weeks ago maybe, but it's become even more important for the buy and hold investor just based on some of the stocks and what they're doing out there. And also, I wanted to debunk some of the myths around selling, especially for buy and hold investors, because the biggest myth out there is the one that's often attributed to Warren Buffett. And that quote is, and I'm going to quote it exactly because I want to make sure I get it right, but it's, quote, our favorite holding period is forever, unquote. I'm sure you've seen that quote or you've heard something similar, like the time to sell is never, that's another one that phrase that they use that's similar to this. But that actual uh, quote hasn't been true for Berkshire Hathaway and it shouldn't be true for you. Berkshire has sold many times over the years and they continue to. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later, but it's kind of a misnomer that they they just buy and they never sell anything. So really, you shouldn't be following that advice to a T because businesses change. The economy changes. New industries emerge. Heck, even for Warren Buffett, a lot has changed over the decades. And one of his big industries that he used to love investing in was the newspapers. I don't know if many people even realize it now, but obviously he was a big holder of Washington Post back in the day. Um, This was in like the 70s. And he kept that for a long, long time. But he and Berkshire bought many other newspapers outright in like smaller, medium-sized cities. And he loved it because the newspapers had a monopoly on advertising that no one else could touch until the internet came along. So when you had to get an apartment, you needed to put, uh, you know, the landlords would put ads in the local paper. When you were holding that garage sale, you put an ad in the local paper. When you needed to sell your house, uh, there was like these Sunday supplements of the real estate section with the actual ad for the house in the real estate section. I know it's hard to believe this now <laughs> with all the apps and all the online internet searches we can do now. But back in the day, that was a way to advertise. And so all of this money that no one else had could do, could replicate, went to the newspapers. And so he loved that. They were like money-making machines with this big moat because they had the monopoly. And that was good for, you know, decade upon decade until the internet came along. And then you had things like Craigslist pop up where then you could list your apartment or things to sell or whatever on Craigslist. And then it just basically, you know, turned into um, the internet as the place to buy and sell goods and all of these other things developed with that, which as we've seen now with newspapers struggling, a lot of the advertising, that moat has now gone away. So even Warren Buffett has recognized change over the decades. He's been a business owner and you should too. So even though um, long-term investors are trying to hold long-term 
you still need to know kind of when to get out. And that is the hardest thing about investing. I was recently on StockTwits, which is the Twitter for stocks. If you're not familiar, it is literally stock, T-W-I-T-S.com, stocktwits.com. And I was on the Bed Bath & Beyond feed because they go by the ticker over there. So if you want to find out what's going on with Bed Bath & Beyond, you put in that ticker, which is BBBY, and it, there's a thread there, which everyone's talking about the company. Bed Bath & Beyond just reported earnings, which is why I was over there tweeting about it. And someone on StockTwits, someone else who was also on the thread, said that they bought at 40 and were, quote, waiting for it to get back there, unquote. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast, because $40 for Bed Bath & Beyond would have been approximately in March 2017, the last time it was there. And now the shares are at $14. Now, they just had what was not a great quarter again. Even though the company's trying to turn around, they have a turnaround plan in place. They're closing some stores. They're opening up new versions of the stores. All of this is going on, but their margins are still um, on the decline. And the same store sales are not good. Year to date, the shares are down 37%. But five years, this is the real kicker if you're a long-term investor, five years, the shares are down 81%. And during that same time, the S&P 500 is up about 65%. So it's quite a diversion from the S&P 500 and what the rest of the market is doing. So let's just say that um, the person who bought at $40, they bought 100 shares, that would have been $4,000. And now at $14, obviously, that's only worth $1,400. This is where the difficulty of investing comes in and for long-term shareholders. I mean, this person has bought, bought at least 18 months ago, so it's a little bit longer term. They're, they didn't own the whole five years, which is even worse, but they have um, owned 18 months. And this is this is bad, right? Like who wants to go from 4,000 to 1,400? Nobody. But you hang on because you're, you know, like I said, quote, waiting for it to get back there. You want to get back or close to break even, right? Because that's just what you want to do. So in this case, Bed Bath & Beyond also pays a dividend, which is, I think, over 3% now. And so you're getting something to kind of stick around. And so otherwise you stay in the stock and, you know, these owners, you go on stock twits and you complain about the CEO and the management and they don't know what they're doing. Everybody needs to be fired when the real issue is you don't know when to sell and um, you won't take that loss. It's a big psychology thing. I should really have Kevin Cook on this episode because he talks about the psychology of investing in money on his podcast and he knows all about all about this issue. But everyone sells at some point. Everybody has taken losses, even Warren Buffett, like I mentioned. He, remember, built a really big position in IBM in the last decade, and then he ultimately sold out of all of it. He's no longer in it. He also owns four airline stocks right now in Berkshire Hathaway. One of them is American Airlines, which just hit a two-year low. So that's, that's not real good. And Berkshire has been selling some of its airline positions the last two quarters, not completely. So he still owns all four, but some of them he's been selling. And then I think he added to a couple of the positions last quarter as well. So he's selling some, he's adding a little bit here or there, 
but I'm not sure if they took a loss on some of that that they sold, but they still are selling. So they still are adjusting those holdings because that's what all investors have to do. So Bed Bath & Beyond isn't just having a normal blip in its business. That's also what makes uh, long-term investing so difficult is that every company has ups and downs in its business, but some have the down a little bit more than others, or something is going on that's affecting the business, like I mentioned with the newspaper business, how that was a industry-wide changes that were happening once the internet came into play. And so Bed Bath & Beyond is also really struggling with a lot of changes in its industry with Amazon, with online shopping, with um, certain people not, you know, not wanting to go to their style of stores, which is why they're swapping those out, might even be with what items they're stocking and they're trying to change that to get to more home goods products. But all of this is going on and you may have to stick it out even longer if you're if you're waiting for it to get back to 40. So sometimes it's much better just psychologically to take the loss and redeploy the money into something else because once you take action then you've taken the action basically you you don't have to take the stock twits and complain about the management because now you are the one who's taking the action and remember long term investors own the business if if it upsets you that much if the ceo you know or whatever is happening at the company um, you have to take to the social media to complain about, then you might want to dig a little deeper in and really ask yourself, like, why do I own this business? Because that's what long-term investing really is all about. But I want to take a look at a few more companies. A lot of these are ones I've talked about on the various podcasts in the past because they have been struggling. And for long-term investors, I know a lot of people have probably gotten caught in these as they have sunk. So the first one is L Brands, and that ticker is LB. Now, year-to-date, these shares are down 51%. They were $61 in January to start the year, and now they're around $29. Over the last five years, it hasn't been quite as bad. It is down about 50% over the five-year period. So most of the stock slide has been in the last two years. And that's because their business has changed. They had Pink, which was really successful with the teens and the tweens, but has now suddenly gone out of favor in the past year. And then their Victoria's Secret brand is being challenged by a lot of people, um, mainly like Aerie and other brands that um, is hurting them a little bit there too. Now they've just recently announced they're selling Henry Bendel, which is one of their smaller brands. So that's not really gonna impact their overall sales all that much to sell that or you know get rid of that business. But um, L Brands, if you're a long-term investor, you have to ask yourself again, like, do I like what this business is doing or trying to, uh, do I like their plan to turn it around? Um, it, do they, are they going in the right direction? That's what you have to ask. Uh, let's move on to the next one then. So General Electric, we all kind of know what's going on with this one. Year to date, it's down 24% right now, but it is off those lows, those five-year lows, because it changed the CEO. So it did swap out for a new CEO and 
people are a little bit more optimistic now that they think that maybe this is the worst. Now, GE is undergoing huge changes in its business. It's already said it's doing this, that it's going to spin off several of its segments. It's going to be much smaller after it does so. Five years, their shares are now down about 47%. And again, the S&P was up about 65 during that same time period. So once again, you have to ask yourself, do you want to own what GE is going to be, what it's going to look like? Is that the business as a long-term owner that you want to own? Some will probably say no, that they wanted to buy it as the big old GE, the GE of your, let's just call it. But some will say, yeah, I still want to own it with this newer model. But that is something as the long-term investor you have to really look at. So one of the things, too, that happens a lot with long-term investors is the one-time event kind of thing. And that is with um, a stock like Chipotle. So Chipotle had the food scare. Remember that? The sticker is CMG and the shares got pretty much, you know, slammed down. And then it's been struggling to get back ever since. So, but this year, shares are up quite a bit, up 53% year to date. So that sounds pretty good, right? Oh, the worst is over. But if you were a long-term investor, you would know, especially if you bought right after the IPO, that it was one of the hottest stocks up through the Great Recession years and even beyond, at least up into the food scare. So in 2015, the shares got up to $740. And then earlier this year, in 2018, they were as low as 266 So that's pretty dramatic there if you had owned that whole time. And now they're at 449 or give or take a little bit there, about 450 so they have recovered. That's why you got the 53%, but not if you had been a long-term investor. Five-year return is still down 24% when the S&P 500, again, is up about 65. So still a little bit of struggle for the long-terms, but with these one-time event type of situations, usually it's not so much of what, what's going on at the company because they solve the one-time event. It's about overcoming the PR issues and some of that kind of thing. So I tend to give a little more leeway with the one-time event type of declines than I do when it's structural, when it's the business. So for instance, Fossil is another good example of something going on structurally with the business. That ticker is FOSL. So these shares are also hot, much like Chipotle here in 2018. So they're up 140% year to date. And so that looks pretty good. Woohoo! 140%, that's huge. But in January, they were at $8, the shares. And now um, over the summer, they were as high as 30. Now they're at about 20. So they have pulled back a bit over those highs, but still up dramatically off those lows in January because basically it really hit those those lows because the five-year high for Fossil, and it seems crazy to say this, but it was $128. Um, so things were soaring until the iWatch came out, the Fitbit, and a lot of these um, you know, more technologically advanced watches that are going to monitor our heart rate and blood pressure and all these other things. Um, that really destroyed 
people's views that the watch would even survive. So a lot of people thought watches were dead completely. Nobody's going to ever wear one again, like not this kind of watch. They'll wear the iWatch, but they're not going to wear the standard old-fashioned type of watches, I call it now, with just, you know, just the time. That's all that's in there. So, but that actually has turned out not to be true. And um, actually, it's millennials who are wearing a lot of the, quote, old-fashioned, unquote, type of watches now. And so that's why you've seen a, a jump in the stock. So that's also something you have to ask yourself, is this business going to stay in business? Is this, can they adapt? And Fossil has brought forth a lot of different styles and um, concepts to compete with the iWatch and these other um, newer types of watches. And that might be helping too. So Fossil, people might want to take a look at that one. But if you're waiting to get back to, you know, the five-year high, that 128, it could be a while. So this brings us back to, if you are waiting, what do you do if you're not going to sell? And should you dollar cost average and, and try to get your basis down? And because some of them look kind of cheap when they sell off like this, like say Fossil, if you want to dollar cost average that, why not buy some more when it fell, you know, low, that's hard to do because you're already traumatized enough <laughs> that it's down that much off of its highs. But for some of you with strong stomachs, there is the dollar cost averaging thing. If you really believe that the company is going to survive and turn around at some point, and some of this plays into the cyclical stocks, this is a whole nother animal too. So we had this, the one time event type of stock, then we have the cyclicals. And a lot of those would be for instance, the transports like the container companies like Greenbrier, where they make the rail car containers, that's very cyclical. They get a lot of orders in, they fulfill the orders. Everybody has the rail car. They don't need one for like three or four years. So the orders decline, earnings go down. This is like normally what happens with that type of company. There's nothing wrong, quote unquote, wrong with the company. The management stays the same. Everybody knows this. But the shares sometimes will go in that uh, kind of roller coaster up and down response to the cycle. And the same with the semiconductors. You see a lot of that with those, although some are saying it's different this time. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be, but that's what some are saying. So you really have to look at each individual semiconductor company to see kind of what's going on with their cycle there. But a big example is really the energy companies. So if you remember, oil prices peaked in 2014, at least since the Great Recession peak. And those that was around $110 or so a barrel. And then they slid down in the in the crude plunge to around $35 in February of 2016. It has recovered back up to around 75, but the recovery in the oil stocks, the energy stocks has been a lot slower. So some people might have wanted to dollar cost average into this because I've owned a lot of energy shares over the years, including my oldest holding, which is now I've owned for 18 years. So I've seen a lot of these cycles. And this one, I decided to dollar cost average in my energy shares because nothing had changed about the story. They were still drilling where they always drilled. They had the same exact management, um, you know, so all of that was the decline was based on the commodity price, not the actual fundamentals of the company. So stuff like that for the cyclicals, you might want to take a look at it a little bit differently than some of the others. But I took a look at Chevron. 
and you still had pain. You still had pain with the energies. All of us who are in them know <laughs> because we have been in for this whole cycle, but um, dollar cost averaging can alleviate a little bit of it. But let's take a look at Chevron, which is ticker CVX. So year to date still in 2018, even with the recovery in crude, it's still down about 1% year to date, but two years, it's up 21.7% in that time period. And the S&P was up 33%. And so that's not so bad. And then five-year though, you really can see the cycle and the plunge in the crude prices because five-year return is just 2.7%. And again, the S&P 500 was up in that period about 65%. So during the down cycle, even with the cyclicals, you, you are going to feel the pain. And we definitely have with the energies. But it's a little bit different than some of the others where it's really a change in the business or something else is going on with the business, not with the industry so much that has caused the slide. So I know that there's a lot to take in when you're a buy and hold investor and you want just clear cut like I need to sell this. But there is never a clear cut. It's just the fact of a lot of it is psychological that it's hard to let go of the idea that you can get back and break even, and maybe you can, but you do have opportunity costs, you know, missing of actually investing in something else at the time you're waiting for it to rebound, which has definitely been true of the energy stocks for sure during this time period. So um, that's true of everything. So you have to think about that. And I really do encourage people who have a stock like some of these or whatever it may be, where they're waiting to make it back or, you know, convinced it's going to go to a much higher level, but it hasn't for years in some cases, that it really is freeing to sell that stock. Um, even though you take the loss, it really frees up your mind to take that money and invest it into something else, another company that you really like, something that you really get behind. So you don't have to go to stock twits and complain on there about, um, you know, the management and all of that. Go out and buy a company that you really believe in the management because there's plenty of them out there. As here at Zaxx, we cover 4,400 companies. So if the one you're in isn't, you know, doing what you hoped it would do, and yeah, it, it stinks to take the loss, but again, it's really freeing to do so. And it, just using Warren Buffett as an example again. So he was in IBM for numerous years. People like to think, oh, he just bought IBM and then he was out of it quickly. But no, it was a, it was a longer term investment. But once he sold all that, once he got out of that, he rotated that money into Apple basically. And he seems very pleased with himself after buying the Apple and the results of that trade. So everybody kind of needs to make a change in their course sometime when they're investing, even the greatest investors, and that helps you to be a better investor. So think about those things when you are a long-term investor or any kind of investor, really. So let's recap some of the tickers that I talked about here today. So we had Bed Bath & Beyond, which is BBBY. We had um, L Brands, which is LB. General Electric, of course, is GE. Fossil is FOSL. Chipotle is CMG, and then we had Chevron CVX. And remember, you don't want to miss a single one of our episodes because I have some interesting ones coming up soon on the Market Edge here. 
and you don't want to miss it. So subscribe to us. You can get all of the episodes on SoundCloud under the Zach's Market Edge. And we're also on Apple Podcasts under the Zach's Market Edge. And you'll get two for one because the value investor is also under our banner. So you'll get a lot of podcasts with a lot of stock picks if you subscribe. And I hope you do. So I hope I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. <laughs>